We are Life Church, one church meeting in multiple locations and reaching around the world with the help of Church Online. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more, you can always check us out online simply by going to life.church or you can stay connected on the go wherever you go with the all new Life Church app available wherever you download your apps from. Coming up today, we know that as Christians, we're called to stand united and put aside our differences to fight for a common cause. And today, our senior pastor, Craig Rochelle, will show us how there is strength in our diversity in part three of Under God. It's awesome to have all of you with us today at all of our churches. We're in a four-part message series called Under God? This is actually week number three. And is it okay with you if we just get down to business? Okay. Can you handle it today if we're a little bit direct? Let's just, let's just dive right in. What I wanna do is I wanna set the tone and I'm going to declare what you already know is true, but I wanna go ahead and say it. And when I do, uh, I'm going to insist there is no cheering and there is no booing. Am I clear? Okay, don't make me come out there. I will come out there, right? No cheering or booing. I wanna declare what we know is true, that last week we elected the 45th president of the United States of America. And right now, for many people, uh, you are overwhelmed with a variety of different very real and very deep emotions. And what I wanna do is I want to acknowledge uh, the wide range of emotions that will help set the tone for our message today. First of all, I have some very close and well-respected Christian friends who would say this. They would say, God heard our prayers. Finally, God is putting someone in the White House that will have more conservative values. I'm so thankful this is the greatest thing ever. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. We have a president coming that is not perfect, but will hopefully issue some policies that are more consistent with our values. On the other hand, I have some very close, trusted, and respected Christian friends who would say, I'm shocked that any Jesus follower could vote for someone who apparently has such character. There are many who are confused, uh, concerned, even some who are traumatized over what happened last week. They would say that the president-elect accepts, tolerates, or even advocates uh, for hatred in the forms of bigotry, uh, racism, verbal abuse, and beyond. And they are confused, scared, and hurting. No matter where you sit on this spectrum, maybe somewhere in between, what I wanna say is the very same thing that I said a couple of weeks ago that was true then, is true now, and will be true forever and ever. No matter who holds office, our God still holds the world. I wanna say it again, and I want you to feel it. If you're a Jesus follower, I want you to find hope and comfort in this, that no matter who holds the office, of our government, our God still holds 
the world. And if you're new with us, what we've been doing in the last few weeks is we've actually taken the Pledge of Allegiance and we're letting some themes from the pledge emerge and we're talking about them. In the first week, we talked about one nation and we actually realized that if you're a Jesus follower, this is not our home. This is not our ultimate destiny, that we are ambassadors from heaven representing a heavenly nation on earth. Last week, we talked about one nation under God. How do we as Jesus followers live faithfully under God in a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile toward God? We are indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Today, I'm gonna to talk about indivisible, and it's a, it's a, it, it is from the depths of my heart I will preach this message. And as, as important as it is, and I think you'll agree, next week's message may be the most important thing I say in a five-year period. We're gonna talk about how do we as Jesus followers, and I'm done with politics as of this week, next week, I'm gonna dive right in. How do we with liberty and justice, with grace and truth, how do we effectively represent Christ in a post-Christian nation? Many of you are gonna argue back saying we're not post-Christian. I'll show you why I believe that we are, why that matters, and how we show the love of Jesus in this world next week is more important than I could ever, ever describe. Today, I wanna to talk about the word indivisible. Uh, in the pledge, this represents who we are to be as a nation. Obviously, we're pretty divided right now, and I think you would agree. The word indivisible actually represents a value that was very, very deep and very, very real to Jesus. In fact, I wanna show you a prayer that he prayed. What's really interesting is Jesus was a massively faithful man of prayer. We know he prayed all the time, everywhere, all the time. And yet in scripture, we have very few instances of recorded prayers that he actually prayed. One of the few prayers that we have recorded is found in John 17. Obviously, God wanted us to see the heart behind this prayer that Jesus prayed. He prayed this, he prayed, I also, I pray also for those of you who will believe in me. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, who is he praying for? Us, right? He's praying for us. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be what? Let's say this aloud, that all of them may be one. Why? So that they may be brought to complete unity. When we, the family of Jesus, are united, when we are one, what will happen? Jesus says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. From the heart of Jesus, he cries out to his father, Father, make the disciples one, unify them, bond them together, why? So when the non-believing world looks on, he will see their love for one another and recognize God that you love them even as you love me. One of the few directly recorded prayers of Jesus, and he's crying out for unity in his family that we would be one. Sadly, you'd have to agree that the body of Christ is often much more divided than it is united. About this time, what I would normally do is I would kind of talk about some of the normal issues that divide us. If you're not a Jesus follower, this will kind of look silly from the outside, and I acknowledge that. I mean, it just kind of is. We'll fight about things like 
Once saved, always saved. How do you baptize? How do you do communion? Can you wear a hat in church and can a pastor have a tattoo? No way, no one can have a tattoo. You're all going to hell if there's ink on your body. Well, the things like that. I mean, we're gonna, you know, traditional worship, contemporary worship, because we all know that for years and years, God preferred hymns and then his taste changed. And now he likes drums and so, you know, whatever. And, and the arguments kind of go on and on and on about who's right and such. Well, today, because of the climate of our country, instead of using those illustrations, I'll talk about what is dividing so many in the body of Christ. It's issues of abortion, sexuality, race, immigration, healthcare, taxes, and more. Normally, what I would say is this, and it's true today. I would say we need to recognize, Christians, that the church down the street is not our enemy. Those of a different denomination are not our enemies. Those who worship in a different way are not our enemies. Instead, because of the climate, what I'm gonna say is this. Those Christians who voted in a different way from you, they are not your enemy. Those non-Christians who voted in a way different from you are not your enemy. Let me, let me take it even, even beyond that. Those who worship a different God than you do. They are not your enemy. We have an enemy, his name is Satan. He is a spiritual enemy. We battle not against flesh and blood, Paul said, but against powers and principalities of this dark world. Our enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when it comes to the family of Christ, he wants to steal our unity, kill our churches, and destroy our credibility. Because if we stand together, the world will actually start to see the love of God coming through his people. Why does our spiritual enemy wanna divide us? Because divided, we are weak and ineffective. If we are united, we are powerful and we're unstoppable. Jesus prayed. Jesus, one of the few recorded prayers of Jesus in the Bible. God, make them one. Bring my family together so the world will know about your love. So, in an incredibly broken, hurted, and divided environment, what I wanna do is speak to my family and tell you, we gotta unite. We have to unite. We, we must unite. Jesus prayed for it, and we're gonna do it. Let me give you three thoughts that I believe will help at least in our little part of the world bring us together toward a common mission. Three thoughts if you're taking notes about us, the family of God. We need to recognize number one, that we desperately need each other. We do. We cannot significantly impact the world alone. We have no ability to do that. We can barely even significantly impact our city or our block alone. We need the whole family of God. And I love the way Paul described this in Romans chapter 12. He said in verse four, just as our bodies have many parts and each has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. If you don't know this metaphor, what Paul was saying is, is that we as people are actually the body 
of Christ. We don't go to church, we are the church. And every one of you, you're a part of that body. It's a little bit like right now, when I'm speaking, my mouth is playing one role. The good news is my mouth is talking, but if my feet didn't bring me out here right now, I'd be talking to myself in my office, right? The other good news, hopefully, is that my brain is working. Every now and then, my mouth talks even though my brain's not turned on, and that's a problem I have to deal with. But when my brain is working and my mouth is talking, then perhaps I can do something. And the good news is my hands are moving, which makes it much more fun than if I was talking to you like this. It all works together. And if I had studied more in biology, I'd give you some internal parts that are working right now, but I don't know much besides the heart, so I have to stop now. You are a part of a broader body. You don't just go to church, you are the church. And because you're a part of the body, you have something very significant to bring to the body. And that's why I would say to you, if you're just going to church, but not using your gifts to make a difference, there is something in God's body he wants to use that is not being used. Let me say it again, because you just got really quiet. If you're a part of the body of Christ, we don't just go to church, we are the church. We use our part of the body, our gifts that are all important to do our little part so that God's love is experienced in this world. And the good news is we don't all have the same function and we don't all look alike. There is power in the variety. And that's why I wanna to say to you this, the good news is that unity is not the same thing as uniformity. Let me say it again. Unity is not the same thing as uniformity. We have strength in our diversity. It's good that we have different parts all the way down to the way churches function, our style, and what we would emphasize as important to our ministry. For example, I'll tell you this. I grew up in a very traditional church. Some of you maybe know what I'm talking about. And this church reached so many people. It was amazing. It didn't reach me. I was a ADD kid, you know, and, and I, you saw, all I remember, stand up, sit down, stand back up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Sing verses one, two, and four of the hymn, never verse three. What's wrong with verse three? I don't know. And so it just, it, anyway, I went to college and I got wild, you know, I majored in partying like some of you, right? And, and my sin caught up to me. And I was listening one day to this radio station and they talked about this Christian singles event. And I thought, well, if there is something to this Christianity, I probably need it. And there's singles, there might be cute girls there. I'm all over this thing. And so I went to it. And when I walked in, it was a church service, not like what I expected. It was like freaky. There were flags of all the nations on the wall. They didn't have that at my traditional church. There were like, you know, pews, there were chairs. And then when the music started up, people started going crazy. I'm talking hands up in the air. When I grew up, if your hand was up in the air, you had to go to the bathroom. Are you, can I go to the bathroom? Or you had a question. They're raising their hands up in the air. They're dancing, not like, you know, they're like this kind of dancing. And then they started speaking in this other language. I'm like, oh, you stole them a Honda. You stole them a Honda. I shot a pecan down, you know, like, oh, what is this? I don't even know this stuff, and it freaked me out. Then the pastor started preaching, and here's what was crazy. It was like a crazy message, but I'm telling you, it didn't come from his head. This thing was coming from his heart, and, and I felt it. He said, if you need to be forgiven of your sins, 
Jesus can forgive you, come forward. I'm like scared to death. And the next thing you know, my feet are taking me forward. I mean, I, I, it's like I'm the only guy. I'm the, I am the sinner who needs, I had no idea I got forward. There are like all these other sinners who needed forgiveness too. There are a lot of sinners I didn't know. And so he, I was first up, so he said, lift your hands up. I don't know what, you know, they had their, so I lifted my hands up and they hit me really hard and said, be forgiven. And he hit me so hard. I almost fell over. Well, I didn't realize, but I think I was supposed to because everybody else he hit later fell over, you know, and I didn't know. So, so he came back for another round. He said, put your hands up again. So I know now I got this thing figured out. I'm a quick learner. We're high-fiving. So I stepped into it, popped him back. And he went on to the next guy. Hey. Have you noticed that when I started a church, this is a little different style than that. That style is very different than what I'm gonna do. And that style was very effective to me in my life when I needed it. We have strength in our diversity. We don't need to look all the same. We don't need to all have the same emphasis in what we do. Unity is not the same thing as uniformity. Here's what we need to understand. If we talk denomination, we cannot all be Baptists first. We're not all charismatics first. We're not all Methodists first. Can I say this? We're not Democrat Christians first. We're not Republican Christians first. We're not right and nothing on the ballot Christians first, right? What are we? We are Jesus followers first. We are Jesus followers first. That's what we are first. We're Jesus followers. No matter who is in office, our mission doesn't change. Our mission unites us. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing, uh, making disciples of all nations. He gave us the what, and that's the gospel. He gave us the where, that's the whole world. Notice he didn't give us the how, why? Because the message never changes, but the methods have to change. There is strength in our diversity. I don't know about you, but I serve a big God who has a big family, a lot of different expressions of worship and a lot of different ways to get the job done. We are all one part of many bodies. And when we work together, we, we, one part of one body, we get so much more done. We cannot reach everybody by ourselves. We need each other. We desperately need each other. The second thing is this, and if you think I'm wound up now, just wait. Number two, we're gonna err on the side of being for, not against. We're gonna err on the side of being for, not against. Here's the bottom line for me. If I'm gonna make a mistake about other Christians, I'm gonna make a mistake believing the best instead of assuming the worst. Well, why in the world am I gonna cast judgment? I'm just gonna believe the best about other people. And when I talk to pastors, and I'm blessed to get to do so, I did, uh, here's what I tell them. Don't build your ministry on what you're against, build it on what you're for. And this is what's so easy to do. And again, if you're not a Christian, I'm sorry, you have to see us work our junk out, but this is our junk. This is what's so easy to do, is to push ourselves off of other Christians and say, we're not like them, here's who we are. In the church world, what, what, what I could do is say, we're not like those dead, boring churches. We see people come to Christ. We're not like those traditional things with no passion. We have passion for what we do. I could push off and then say who we are. Don't do that, just be who you are. Someone could push off us. We're not like that life church where they teach a topical sermon and they have you know rock music and stuff. We teach the word of God. Don't do that, just be who you are. You don't have to tell me who you're not, be who you 
are. Be, be passionate about who you are. And the same is true because this idea reflects into you, our churches, and then we start defining ourselves by what we're against. The world looks on and says, well, they're against this, they're against this, <clears throat> and they're against that. I don't know about you, but there are some times we need to take stances. There are some issues that we need to be incredibly passionate about. But when we are reflecting the love of God, they're gonna see all the beautiful things that we are for rather than being turned off by a couple things that we're gonna actually stand against. What are we for? We're for love, the love of Jesus. We're for healing. We're for reconciliation. We, we, are for, we are for peace and we are for grace. And so when there's an argument online, you don't have to get in there and contribute to the hate. You don't, you don't have to be a negative voice. As far, for the little influence I have, I'm gonna use it to unify rather than divide. You don't have to contribute back and spew hateful opinions and call that you know, you're loving people toward the, the right idea. You, you don't have to throw a punch. And if I can just say this uh, to a moment, and, and I know I'm getting in dangerous territory, but if you were really, really for, for Hillary and you're devastated right now, that's totally understandable. Totally understandable. Totally understandable. You can disagree, but don't be disrespectful. And I know nobody here would do this, but the thought of burning a flag, like when people died for the freedom that we have, Amen. listen, and don't, don't, not, not, let's not even go there. Listen, 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 listen. You may disagree, but what do we do? Listen, we're not just Americans, we're Christ followers. So we pray and we support our leaders. Now for all of you Republicans going, yeah, tell them, tell them. Let me get on you Republicans for a second. Listen. <laughs> Listen, if you're really, really excited, don't be a jerk about it. I'm serious. Listen, especially don't play the God card and then spike the ball in the end zone. Nobody likes that guy. Don't do that and be all jerk arrogant. Yeah, God did this, blah, 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 blah. We're loving. We're loving. We're Jesus followers. We're known for what we're for. We're, we're, for, we're for repentance and healing and reconciliation. Sure, we'll take a stand when we have to, but we're gonna be known for what we're for. I'm gonna be known for lifting. If I make a mistake about other Christians, it's gonna be unifying, never, ever, ever dividing. I love what D.L. Moody said. He said this, a famous evangelist. He said, you may find hundreds of fault finders among professed Christians, but all of their criticism will never lead one solitary soul to Christ. What do we know? We desperately need each other. We err on the side of being for, not against. And number three, if you're taking notes, let this be the cry of our hearts. What are we gonna do? We're gonna love like Jesus loved. We're gonna love like Jesus loved. John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, a new command I give to you. I know you've been following 613 commands and laws, and here's one for you. Love one another. Is that deep? Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by, by what? By how you love, by how you love, by how you love, by how you love. They will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Notice what Jesus did not say. He didn't say by your political post on Facebook. They will know that you are my follower. Can I say that again? They didn't say by your political post on Facebook. They said, by the way you love one another. This is what's interesting to me. Jesus didn't say be right. He said, be loving. Oh, you're quiet when I'm good. He didn't say be right. 
He said, be loving. Are you ready for this? I'm gonna step on your toes. We can't all be right. You're not always right. I know it's impossible to believe. You're not always right. I'm not always right. We can't always be right, but we can always be loving. We can always be loving. We can all, they're gonna know that we're disciples, by the way. We love one another. Do we have strong opinions? Absolutely. How do we express them? Through the love of Jesus Christ. Love covers a multitude of sins. So Amy and I met this amazing lady. I'm gonna change a detail or two, including her name. I'm gonna call her Kelly. And Kelly uh, works at kind of a convenience store. And the first time I went in there, I watched this gal interacting with customers and providing just fantastic customer service. And I'm a massive fan of this. I feel like people are underappreciated and I just loved it. So I just, I went up to her after and said, you are killing it. You are the best of the best. Whatever they pay you, I hope they double it. I just want you to know you've taken what many would consider an ordinary job and you've made it extraordinary. And she lit up and she received that. So the next time I came back, she was doing it again. I'm like, there you go again, look at you, you are amazing. And so we kind of just developed a little rapport. One time I was in line behind a guy and one thing about Kelly is she never keeps her mouth shut, which I actually love. She's like, and she was telling this guy, the guy said, yeah, I don't, I don't like churches. And she said, well, I don't like churches, I don't like pastors. And the guy said, I don't like pastors either. She said, I hate pastors. And then they were finished and I came up and I said, so you don't like pastors? She goes, no. I said, you don't like churches? And she said, no, not at all. I'm like, well, I like you. You're amazing and you're killing it. So the next time I came up, again, we have this conversation I'm like, so do you still not like pastors? Well, of course not, I can't stand them. And so that kind of went on for a few times. Then somebody told her what I did for a living. <laughs> so I walked in and before I could even say, do you still not like, she goes, I like you, I like you, I promise you, I like you, I like you, I like you. I don't like the rest of them, but I like you. And she didn't just like me, she loved Amy. I mean, she loves Amy. And so we would actually come during slow times of the day just to talk to Kelly. And she would open up, it's really, really cool. For every good opportunity and break I had in life, she had something tragic happen, very different. And I mean, you talk about a hard, hard life. And once I found out why she didn't like church and pastors, I thought, well, I wouldn't like him either if I experienced what you did. I tried to help her see that we're really flawed people. I'm flawed. But I started telling her about Jesus and who he was, and she was really intrigued in Jesus. And so we would actually start hugging after every time we'd go there. And this went on for months and months. And we'd see her and we'd hug, we'd talk about Jesus. And finally one day I said, hey, Kelly, do you enjoy reading? She's like, I love reading. I said, uh, if I brought, brought you a book, would you read it? She said, yeah, I'd, I'd consider it. I said, well, I actually wrote it. She goes, you wrote a book. <laughs> Yes, and so I gave her a book and she, she loved it. And I said, Kelly, would you consider coming to church? And she said, you know, I can't do that. So I'll tell you what, what would you do if church was online and you didn't have to see any people that might hurt you? She said, I could do that. And so I actually dedicated a message to her. I told a story about an amazing customer service lady that you may remember years ago that was singing in an airport. And I said, Kelly, this one's for you. I was thinking about you when I preached this. Would you listen to it? And she listened to it, and she hadn't missed a week since. The last time we went and hugged her, she said, I'm actually a tither now, and I'm telling people about Jesus in the convenience store. Now, okay. 
it wasn't how I stand on some issues that reached her. It wasn't how I voted that reached her. It was that Amy and I spent, I'm gonna tell you right now, we're really busy and we engaged for hours and hours and loved every minute of it because this is a precious woman who was hurting, <laughs> who was being healed and transformed by the love of Jesus. So what can we do? Well, we can comfort those who are sad, right? We can reach out to those who are broken. We can go to dinner with those who are really different from us. We can love those who feel very marginalized. I would argue all day long that the world is getting tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. Oh, Jesus they're getting tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. They wanna see the love of Jesus. When they see it lived out, when we are one, they'll know that God sent his son, Jesus. I wanna tell you a little bit about my Jesus, who he is. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Can you agree and can we unify around this one? The living son of God who was born without sin, who came to earth full of grace and truth, love and mercy to save sinners. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Lord of glory, the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the soon returning, conquering, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the word made flesh, anointed, chosen, son of the most high God. He is the good shepherd, the living vine, the bread of life. He is my refuge, my shield. He is my righteousness. He is the defender of the weak. He is my advocate, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession even for us right now. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He guards and he guides. He hears and he heals. He, he forgives and he frees. He opens blind eyes. He raises the dead. He delivers the captives. He defends the weak. He loves those that religion rejected. His love never fails. There's nothing you can do to cause him to love you more and there's nothing you can do to cause him to love you less. My Jesus is the one that Satan couldn't stop. Satan couldn't stop him. Death couldn't hold him. The grave could not contain him. He has risen from the dead that whoever calls on him would be saved, forgiven, transformed, and made new. Can we agree? Can we agree that Jesus is the Son of God? I don't know about you, and I hope I didn't come across as too, but I don't have time for Facebook fights. I don't have time for Twitter wars. Our mission is too important and time is too short. Stand strong with what you believe. Be, be passionate about the issues, but you vote right or you vote left. Whichever way you vote, we love right down the middle. We love with the grace of Jesus in everything that we do. And even if we disagree some politically, our mission unites us spiritually. We stand together to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Life is not about us. We reflect his glory, his goodness. Yes, we have deep values. Yes, we believe them deeply, but over and above everything, we honor those who serve and we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So Father, today I pray that you would unite us in our little part of the world. God, even though we have differences, we have a common mission. Unite us around 
the great mission you called us to do, to show your love all over the world. God, for those who are hurting today, comfort them. God, I pray even for those who grieve, and we recognize we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We hope in you. God, for those who are full of faith about the future, we trust in you, we trust in you. No matter who holds the office, God, we know you hold the world. We say, may your will be done. May your will be done. Unify us, God, as Jesus prayed that the church would be one. God, help us, help us to be a little part of the answer to his amazing prayer. All of our churches, as you're praying and reflecting right now, those who would say, you know what? I, I, I do wanna be more unified. Even though we have our differences, I wanna be united around our mission. And yes, I, I can have some strong opinions, but my strongest, strongest belief is that Jesus is the Son of God, and I wanna make him known all over the world. And all of our churches, if you say, yes, I wanna be even more united in the family of God, would you lift up your hands right now? I hope it's every hand of every Jesus follower. Father, I pray today that by the power and the work of your spirit, that you would do a significant work in our hearts, God. Help us, Father, to be voices of unity in the body of Christ. God, help us to show love in ways that even take us out of our comfort zones. God, may people know who we are and what we believe by the way we love one another. God, may your love overwhelm us in such a way that we cannot even contain it and keep it to ourselves. God, give us all our own Kelly, someone to reach out to, someone who's hurting and broken, and show them love. And God will recognize even when we give to them, oftentimes they give even more back to us. God, we thank you for Jesus, for who he is. Unite us around his lordship. Unite us around his splendor. Unite us around his death and resurrection, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, there, there are gonna be some of you that go, yeah, I'm kind of not in that whole Jesus thing. Maybe like me, you grew up in a church and, and you, you were there, but it didn't, didn't grab your heart. Maybe you're not a church person at all, but something's happening right now and, and, and you're, you're feeling drawn to this. Let me just be really, really clear. If you've been hurt by a Christian, you've been hurt by a church, that is gonna happen and I'm so sorry. It's because we are flawed people. But our Savior is perfect in every way. Our Savior is perfect. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pitch you, hey, join a church. I'm trying to pitch you, hey, join a movement, a movement of people who are imperfect but have been forgiven and are learning to radically love in the way that we've been radically loved. Jesus, the Son of God, who was perfect in every way, who loved those that religion rejected, who became sin for us on a cross. He died in our place. Imagine a God who loved us so much that he would send his son. On the third day after he had died, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty, he wasn't there, he was risen. Why? So that anyone, and this includes you, no matter where you've been, no matter what you believed, no matter how dark your life seems, anyone who calls on his name would be saved forgiven and made new. We, we become a part of his family, adopted into his family, a part of his body. Not because we're good, not because we deserve it, but because he is good and his love is so real. At all of our churches, there are those of you who recognize, I need that love. 
I want his grace. I know I've sinned against him and I need his forgiveness. When you call on him, he'll make you brand new. All of our churches, those who say, yes, that's me. I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. I turn from my sins. I turn toward him today by faith. I surrender my life. I wanna know you, Jesus, and I wanna follow you. I wanna be like you. I surrender. I give my life to you. All of our churches, lift your hands high right now and say, yes, Jesus, I surrender right back over here. Praise God for you. Right back over here in the back. Others of you, right back up here and over here as well. Oh my goodness. Others today who say, yes, Jesus, I step into it. Right back in the back section. Man, we thank God for you. We celebrate church online. You click right below me. Together, would you join your voices? We are family and nobody prays alone. Pray aloud, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, so I could serve you, so I could represent your love. My life is not my own. Today I surrender to you. May the world know your love because you've shown it to me. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you worship God big? Would you celebrate new life in Christ today? We as a church are honored to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to life.church slash next. You know, our church online community is truly leveraging technology to reach the world for Christ, growing together and learning what it means to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And one of those people is Kelsey from Los Angeles who leverages technology and uses our community to be a difference maker in this digital world. Check out our story. When I moved out here from Oklahoma, I learned that my truest self is with God. And sharing that with other people and telling them about God is something that I'm trying to do. Church Online has been there since day one for me. That was my home, like that's where my heart was. And because I couldn't be there to serve, I signed up to do the prayer team. And then I really had a nudge to do a host group. I'm Kelsey Hightower and welcome to Believe in Something. I make YouTube videos that are just centered around Jesus. And one of my goals that I want to do with the channel is to create a safe place for people to come to because there is a need for a Christian channel on YouTube. Without the encouragement from Life Church, and I don't think that I would be where I am. Thanks for hanging out with us today. You know, it's our mission and our passion here at Life Church to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That statement drives everything we do because we believe whoever finds God truly finds life.